God Conversations with Tanya Harris. So, let me ask you that question. What does God tell me? <laughs> well, you know, thunder, lightning. <laughs> Mother Teresa, someone asked her, when did God speak to you? And she said, whenever he wants. So essentially, the, the Bible is a, a collection of God Conversations, if you like. I had a vision of a car accident. And I'm sitting on the couch thinking, why have I just seen this? How could I know if God was speaking to me? How could I know that that or that thought was actually just me thinking about, oh, I just had some bad pizza. Jesus said we'd recognise his voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. Lynn Packer thought that one day she'd end up in a mental institution. As a young girl, she'd experienced spiritual encounters on a regular basis, But at the same time, she was suffering the traumatic effects of sexual abuse from the hands of her father and her grandfather. Then at 16 years of age, Lynn made a decision to follow Jesus. Wonderful. But the church wasn't that much help. They didn't understand the ways of the spirit that Lynn was experiencing or the role of counselling and medication. That left Lynn to work through a confusing healing journey with only the help of the Holy Spirit. Hi, and welcome to the God Conversations podcast. I'm Tanya Harris, and I'm a pastor, practical theologian, author, and the founding director of God Conversations, a ministry that equips you to hear, recognize, and respond to God's voice. Well, on the show today, we are talking about hearing God and mental illness. And we're so privileged to be joined by the beautiful Lynn Packer, who comes to us from New Zealand. And, you know, thankfully in Lynn's story, the Holy Spirit stepped into all that confusion and over many years has led Lynn to a place of mental health and wholeness. And talking with Lynn, she just has so much wisdom to share on this topic, a topic that is often fraught with confusion and misunderstanding. And I know that you're going to love hearing her story. I also know that you're going to experience and see the power and the beauty of the Holy Spirit in the healing process. It's just profound. So if you are struggling in this area or perhaps someone you know, I just encourage you to to really receive from this episode. Perhaps share the episode with others you know who are going through similar experiences as Lynn. And we pray with all our hearts that this will be an encouragement to you. So Lynn, so wonderful to have you on the show. Welcome to God Conversations with Tanya Harris. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's wonderful to be able to just spend some time with you and share with you. We first met, didn't we, Lynn, first of all over Zoom, I think, introduced by a mutual friend, and then I had the honour of meeting you face-to-face in Christchurch a couple of months ago. That's and- right. Yeah, you know, I think I when I first met you, I was just super excited because I was reading some of your things and we were coming to the same conclusion. So that's always a joy when you're hearing someone talk about the same passions and um, was it's such an honour to have you on the show and then to hear a little bit about your your story, which I think is um, so much wisdom flowing out of you. So we are very excited to have you on such an important topic, I think, because there's often, I don't know, not confusion, but perhaps some tension between understanding mental health, mental illness, and then how does the spirit work with that? Um, I remember um, reading a joke 
Lily Tomlin, I think, was the one who said that it's okay to pray, but when we when we talk about God speaking back, people say we're schizophrenic, <laughs> so you know we're hearing voices or whatever. Uh, so there is, I think, some uh, some confusion around this area, which is why it's such a delight to have you. So welcome. Lynn, um, so perhaps you might want to introduce yourself, a little bit of your backstory. How did you come to be doing what you are doing now? Um, oh, it's a big story. I'll try and make it short. Um, I'm from a family of nine kids. My um, mum and dad were non-Christians. My mother was a Wiccan. Um, and my dad was a lapsed Catholic who didn't believe in birth control, so that's why we had nine kids. Um, I'm the eldest of those, uh, and um, it was an abusive family um, that I grew up in. My mother was abusive in her own ways, but my dad and my granddad were both sexually abusive, so it meant that for me I I was abused from a very young age um, before I was one, until I was 16 and so as you can imagine that left me messed up (laughs) Um, you know I I was depressed I was on Valium from when I was 13 to when I was 20 Um, I had suicidal thoughts I had bouts of depression that kept going for many 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 years um and at 16, someone invited me to a youth group meeting. And I was like, oh, seriously, Christians. Um, but I went because it was either that or stay home with my grandparents and their friends and watch them get drunk. Um, so it was a bit of a no-brainer. The Christian meeting was bound to be a little bit better than watching them get drunk. So I went to this meeting and at the end they preached a very simple gospel message saying that God loved me so much, or you know, I loved all of us there, so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. And that was the first time in my life that I'd heard anyone loved me. And it really struck a chord deep in me. And I was like, God, if that's true, I want to know that love. So I'm going to ask you to come in and teach me about your love. Um, So in about three or four weeks after that, um, I felt the Lord give me the strength to confront my grandparents um, or my grandfather. I was living with my grandparents at that stage at 16 um, and tell them the abuse stopped. and that if he ever came near me again, um, and please excuse the the um, bluntness of this, but if he ever came near me again, I would kill him. Um, I didn't know what other options there were. Yeah. Um, he had been reported to the police several times by other people, and the police had never done anything. Back in those days, they used to believe the man rather than the child. So. Um, So that was my way out, and I slept with a knife under my pillow um, from that moment on till I left my grandparents um, in case he tried to come back again. Um, So in the midst of this, I'm trying to learn about God's love and trying to escape abuse. Um, And about six months after I became a Christian, I was reading in the book of Isaiah for 
I don't know why, but after I'd read John, that was the book I wanted to read. So, and I got to the bit where he has the throne room um, encounter with God. And I, something within me went, God, I'd love to hear you like that. I'd love to hear you and I'd love to go for you. And I felt God very clearly say in my heart and mind, I'm calling you to be a prophet. And I'm like, what's a prophet? I don't know what a prophet is. Um, the church I was going to, I'd started going to a church, didn't know they didn't believe in prophecy today. Um, so it sort of got shelved at that point for a few years. Um, and then a few years later shifted to a church where um, they didn't not believe in it, but they didn't allow it and they didn't teach anything about it. It was just at the beginning of the charismatic movement. So we were only just beginning to learn that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were for today. Um, so they're like, yes, I guess prophets can be around, but um, we don't know anything about them. So I had to start doing some exploring myself and learning how to hear God for myself. Um, and that started that whole journey and led me to today, where today I train people in hearing God and in prophesying. Um, I'm part of a group of prophets that run an annual school of prophets here in New Zealand. I run a prophetic network um, and a website where we post prophetic words from mature, trusted prophets um, in New Zealand. And um, I'm part of the New Zealand Council of Prophets. So um, it's come a long way from what's a prophet to these things I do today. But my greatest passion is training people in how to hear God and how to interpret God in particular. Yeah, um, That'd be my greatest passion. I find it fascinating that God called you to be a prophet before you even knew what one was. I know. And before I even really knew that God spoke today, Um, (laughs) crazy ass, but sometimes he does things that defy our logic, doesn't he? Wow, Lynn, thank you for sharing that. It's such a, oh, it's quite a story. And I know you've done a lot of journeying with the Holy Spirit since then because, you know, there's a big jump between I was abused as a child and this is what I do now and I can hear the voice of God clearly. So can you tell us a little bit about um, your journey with the Holy Spirit? I think you were saying that as an older person, God started to deal with what had happened to you as a child. Tell us a little bit about that journey. How did hearing the voice of the Spirit help you in your healing towards mental wholeness? Yeah. Um, it was a, a obviously a, well, probably not obviously, because for some people they might think it happened in a miracle. But for me, it didn't. It was a process, and it was a long process that's still ongoing today. Um, but when it came to, you know, I, I used to think I was weird um, because I could, even as a child, I could see stuff in the spirit and um, things like that. I could see demons. I could see people in rooms that weren't there and you know, weird stuff. Um, so I used to think I was weird and I used to think I was going mad 
Um, so I fought that. And then, of course, with um, when I went to live with my grandparents, that's when Before the... Before you became a Christian or, or after? Yes. Before? Um, before I became a Christian, yeah. But even after, I used to think I was going to go mad. Yeah. Um, and I lived with, for many years, even after I became a Christian, thinking that at some point people would see that the person in front of them wasn't the real person. They would recognize that I was weird um, and I thought I would probably end up in a mental institution somewhere. Wow. Um, so that was it, even as a Christian. Um, so it, partly because you had no context for what you were experiencing? Um, yeah, because back then there just wasn't any context for um, interpreting, you know, spiritual encounters. Um, you know, only, only witches did stuff like that, you know. Um, and when you came into the church, any spiritual encounter back then basically was treated as you were either slightly weird or it was demonic somehow. Um so you didn't talk about your spiritual encounters. I kept them very quiet for many, many years um, because people just wouldn't understand. So, um, yeah, so I I thought I was a bad Christian because I couldn't make the progress that I thought I should be making. Um, you know, I felt that others would find out I was a huge imposter. Um, and then in my early 30s, it was then that God started to do a healing work and he started to really hone in on some of the stuff relating, some of the effects relating to the abuse and some of the memories that I had. And he started to bring memories up just like they came up in a flood um, to the point where I could be in church and the pastor would say, I want to talk today about intimacy with God. And that word intimacy would just trigger me and I would have to say to Rob, I have to leave, um, I'll wait for you outside. And I would go into the toilet and lock myself in and sit there and shake um, as a memory came up and um, I had to try and get myself together enough to go and sit in the car and wait for Rob till the end of the meeting or whatever. Um so eventually I um, was formally diagnosed, which was actually really helpful because at that point I knew that the things that I was experiencing weren't um, weren't me going mad as such, weren't me being weird, but they were normal effects for someone who had been through the abuse that I'd been through. So I was formally diagnosed with complex PTSD, um, dissociative disorder, uh, major depressive disorder, generalized anxiety, um, and yeah, and I lived with anxiety and fear every day, all day. Um, so that's even as a Christian, even as a pastor. By then we were pastors, we were in full-time ministry, pastoring in a church, um, and I was trying to deal with all this stuff silently by myself um, because there just wasn't 
the understanding back then or the help. Um, back then, and even still today, professional counsellors were seen as um, at best worldly or at worst demonic. Um, and so you didn't dare go to say you were going to a counsellor. You didn't dare admit that you had to go on to antidepressants. And there were times when, as a pastor's wife and a minister, I had to because I would get a bout of depression and I would be stuck in my chair for days on end, not being able to function. Um, so with all that, hearing God was this place of real anxiety for me because I didn't know if what I was hearing was actually God, whether I was making it up. Um, or whether it was even the, the demons, you know, the demonic trying to speak to me. Um, and so I had to really, at that stage, I really had to learn how do I, how do I discern and learn between um, what's literal and what's symbolic and, you know, what eternal truths is God trying to, um, communicate to me through this encounter, through this experience. I had to learn how to um, discern between the voices of the world, um, speaking to my heart and mind, the voice of God, um, the voice of my own flesh, my own fears, my own desires, and the and the demonic. Um, so I had to learn all those things. Can you give you know? us an example of how you did that? Sorry? Can you give us an example of how you did that? Um, I'm naturally quite a curious person. So for me, and here was another battle, for me, I wanted to understand. I love being able to understand. So for me, researching and stuff like that was, you know, but there wasn't anything to research. There was nothing out there um, at that stage. And so I would just ask God questions. I would say, what are you trying to say to me? What does this mean? Why are you showing me this? Does that color have any meaning? Does that, why is this angel dressed like that? Um, and at the same time, I'm like fighting the church um, teaching for want of a better word, that you don't dare question God. Um, and I didn't understand the difference between questioning God as in saying, who do you think you are and what right do you have to do this, and questioning him for clarification. Mm. And so once I learned that I could question for clarification, it was all on. Um, and that was that was the major way I learned until in the 80s, late 80s, um, early, yeah, late 80s, you started to get some teaching about prophecy coming through. Yeah. So tell us then about the Holy Spirit-led journey to healing, Lynn. How did that, some of the, I know some of the God conversations you shared with me previously were quite profound in that journey. Yeah, one of them was... Um, actually came through a song, which was an amazing song, it had a huge impact on me. It was a chorus, a Christian chorus, um, 
and it was called I Will Change Your Name. And um, if it's okay, I'd love to share the words because I think they might speak to some others who are listening as well. And um, I'm going to read them because make sure I get them right. But it was, I will change your name. You shall no longer be called wounded outcast. I'll get emotional because it's still so real. Wounded, outcast, lonely, or afraid. I will change your name. Your new name shall be confidence, joyfulness, overcoming one, faithfulness, friend of God, one who seeks my face. Beautiful. And that became like the promise I lived from, as much as promises from the Bible for many years. Um, and then during that time, the visions that I was seeing started to really ramp up. Um, and I started to have visions and encounters where I would see myself um, in an experience where I was literally sitting, talking to Jesus or walking somewhere with him, having a conversation. Um, one, I think I shared this one with you, but I'll share it um, because the truth in it is just so profound and deep if people can get it and, and life-changing was um, I went into a, a visionary encounter where I saw myself sitting on the father's lap on his throne in heaven and for some reason in this encounter he was dressed in shorts um, so part of his knees were bare um, and I was sitting on his lap and he was like adult male size and I was little children size child size even though I was me as an adult in this vision and then in the vision he began to grow and he be, he grew and he grew and he grew and I stayed the same size and after a while he got so big that I started to get a bit afraid and I'm like okay god I'm going to trust that this is good because you're good. I've learned you're good. Yeah. So I'm going to trust that this is a good encounter. Um, and he just kept growing until the pores on his skin on his legs became big holes. And at that stage, I started to get quite nervous. And I'm like, oh God, if you get much bigger, I'm going to fall into one of those. Um, and he just kept growing in this vision. And he got so big that the pores became huge huge holes um, and were so close together that I could no longer stay balanced and I fell into one and I fell into this darkness which sounds odd but I realized that the darkness was that I was inside God and I'm and my head my rational head is going whoa this is weird what's this all about God why, you know, I know literally you are big, um, but what are you trying to tell me through this? And he said, Lynn, just don't ask questions, just experience for a minute. And all of a sudden, this feeling of being absolutely safe and enclosed in God filled me and surrounded me. And that feeling has actually never left me till today. But when I came out of that experience, 
I realized the truth that God was trying to communicate through it, and he used this weird experience vision to do it, but the truth was that I am in Christ, in God, and that in him is absolute safety for the most essential parts of me. Yeah. Um, And I still feel that today. I still feel safe and in God, and that's never left. I imagine, I imagine too that um, the contrast between that feeling of safety would be so different to what you had experienced as a young girl being abused by the men in your life who were supposed to love you and keep you safe. Totally. And, be- and up till then, at that point, um, or a few years before then, I had been able to relate to Jesus because he was Lord and big brother. But God is Father, that was too hard to go to because I knew what fathers were like. So that experience was life-changing for me. Amazing. We're talking to prophet, pastor, uh, author and artist Lynn Packer from New Zealand about Holy Spirit talking and the mental health journey. We'll be back straight after this break. When Jesus walked the earth, he said his people could recognize his voice and follow it and that we've been given his spirit to speak to us wherever we go. That means hearing the voice of the Spirit is even better than having a coffee with Jesus. Yet so many of us do not experience His voice that way. What does God sound like? And how can we know if it's Him speaking? That's why my team and I have developed a whole range of online resources that will help you in your God Conversations journey. There's blog articles, podcast videos, and an ebook designed to equip you to recognize God's voice. And they're all available free at godconversations.com. Become a part of the growing community that hears God's voice and follows it by signing up to the blog today and receiving fortnightly updates straight to your inbox. God wants to speak to you today clearly and personally. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. Welcome back to God Conversations, talking with pastor and prophet Lynn Packer from New Zealand about her journey to mental wholeness through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lynn, when we first chatted, you just shared some profound God Conversations around healing and forgiveness that um, were just so full of wisdom. I'm wondering if you could just reflect a little bit on that as a part of your journey, how those two things were related for you. Yeah, um, when the memories started to flood back up, I was like, I need help. I can't do this on my own. It's too big. Um, I don't know how, how to work through this. So I started to see a counsellor who was um, a pastor but a trained professional counsellor. And the very first meeting I had with him, he said something which was um, quite profound. He um, he explained that forgiveness was a journey, not a statement. Um, and so he said to me, Lynn, I want you to forget everything the church has ever taught you about forgiveness. And I'm like, you know, my pastor's brain is going, I beg your pardon, you can't. You know? um, and I'm like, Okay, tell me more. Um, and he said, the reality is 
to deal and bring healing to the things that you've suffered. You've got to be able to face them. And what we do too often as Christians is we say, if you don't forgive, you won't get healed. And he said, I found that actually what that does is it's like putting a Band-Aid on top of an infected wound. It doesn't heal the wound. All it does is cover it so that you can't see what's happening underneath. Um, And so he said, so I want you to forget that. He said, you have to be willing to walk the journey of forgiveness. But what you'll find is as you heal, there will come a point where you will go, oh, when did that happen? I've forgiven them. Um, and so I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll trust that you know what you're you're doing. Um, and I made the decision I'm willing to walk the path of forgiveness, to process toward that. Um, and so then we just started counseling sessions. Um, and I'd come each week and he'd go, so what's been happening this week? And I go, well, this is the memory that came up and this is what Holy Spirit did and this is what he told me to do. And and he, after a while, after six months, he said, well, I don't know why you're bothering to come actually because you've gone further in six months than normally it takes people me two years to go with people because of what Holy Spirit's doing in your life, because you're allowing him to lead you and guide you through that process, not just trying to attack it with your natural mind. Um, and thing, isn't it? So you, God was leading you and speaking to you and then you were through the counselor reflecting on those things and the human guidance was working with the Holy Spirit guidance. I find that fascinating. Yes. Yeah, and I oh, needed what both of God them. saying to you in that process? What sort of um I'm talking about? Oh, one of the big things was, Lynn, it wasn't your fault mm-hmm. because I'd always blamed myself. Um, if I'd been better, if I'd somehow been more of a good girl or if I had been had pleased my grandfather better, he wouldn't have abused my other brothers and sisters because that was one of the things he told me, that if I didn't do what he said, he would hurt the others. And when they got hurt, I took that on as Mm -hmm. my fault. And one day I saw myself in an encounter with the Lord and I was lying on my bed where the abuse had taken place and Jesus came and sat on my bed and I had told myself at this point, I had done the Christian Band-Aid thing, the Christian statement thing, Lynn, it's not your fault. It's, you know, it was his fault, his responsibility as an adult to control himself. It wasn't your fault. Didn't make any difference whatsoever. In this encounter, Jesus came and sat on the edge of my bed and he looked at me and he said, Linny, it wasn't your fault. And immediately, Jesus speaking truth to me set me free. No amount of me speaking truth to myself had had the power to do that up till that point in time. And from that point, I knew it wasn't my fault. It was his as an adult, and he's the one who bears the shame, not me. He's the one who bears the blame, not me. 
and he's the one who has to answer for to God for what he did. Um, so that was like you know one of the encounters. Um, another one was where um, I had this encounter, and a friend of mine had a similar encounter where I saw myself um, as a baby, um, and my birth was surrounded by I was illegitimate. My mum and dad weren't married. Um, my mum was coming out of her first marriage where her first husband had tried to kill her um, and was still trying to kill her while she was pregnant with me. So my birth was full of trauma, even um, <laughs> crazy life. Um, but I saw myself as a, a little baby in, in a baby's bath. And, and over me were all these words, not wanted, um, illegitimate, you know, all sorts of things, dirty, and Jesus picked up a, a flannel and soap and soaked the flannel and gave me a wash and washed the words off. And, you know, so there were loads of encounters like that where truth was revealed to me in a way that I could understand. And I know my experience will be really different from a lot of other people's. Maybe for them, Jesus speaks scriptures to them. Maybe it comes in a song. Maybe it comes in um, the hug of their child, even, where Jesus encounters them through the hug of their child um, and says to them, you're a really good mum. You're not your mother. You know? And so healing comes to in different ways for different people, but this is how it's come for me, a lot of those. So... Um, we just kept going and kept going um, in the counselling and I just kept going even though he said, I don't know why you come, um, but I, I needed someone I could talk through because there wasn't anyone else I could talk to about it at that stage. Um, my pastor, we were on the pastoral team of um, a church. My pastor at that stage had said, Lynn, you don't need counselling, you just need to get into Jesus. Um, you know, and or and you just need to spend more time in prayer. And I'm like, seriously, you know, like I haven't already. Um, <laughs> the things we say sometimes. Um, so, um, what what it? So I'm just thinking there'll be people listening to your story, and it's you know it's hard to contain that. It's been many years of working through this, and I know that we've talked about that. But but given that you've had this wisdom of experience and you've had this Holy Spirit journey and you've suffered through uh, history where we haven't always understood this well and haven't talked about it well. What advice would you give perhaps someone who actually has experienced a level of abuse that has scarred them today like that? Or perhaps leaders who are leading churches who have people we've all been <laughs> had our own baggage throughout our childhood. What advice would you give them in terms of listening to the Holy Spirit and that journey towards mental health and wholeness? Yeah. Um, for someone who's going through stuff, um, the fear of being exposed is huge. The fear of possible rejection is huge. So many of the people in our churches sit silently in the pews um, 
or they may go to um, an inner healing session and think, oh, this is going to fix me um, and expect that one you know, one prayer on an altar call or, or one inner healing session is going to miraculously fix them. Um, and God can work like that. And he does do, you know, miraculous things. There are, are breakthroughs that can come in an instant. But usually I, from what I've seen, that's not a whole life breakthrough where everything is healed in one moment. Normally he works little by little. And there's a, a verse, I think, in Exodus somewhere where um, God's taking Exodus or Deuteronomy, where God's taking the children of Israel into the promised land. And he says to them, I'll remove your enemies little by little so that the beasts of the field don't rise up and take over the land. So his thing is usually he works by process. He takes a little bit, and we get healed of that. We establish that land that we've just taken. And then he goes a bit further. He takes us to take another bit of land. Um, and so I'd say expect it to be a process. But I'd also say get professional help if you need it. Don't be, don't feel ashamed that you need professional help. Don't even be ashamed if you need antidepressants or things like that. Um, I had a very wise um, clinical psychologist who um, was also a friend, and she said, Lynn, antidepressants are a tool. She said, think of it as if you were a carpenter. For, to hammer in a nail, you pick up a hammer, and you use the hammer, and then you put it down. You don't pick up a screwdriver to hammer in a nail. She said, antidepressants are a tool you need to get a specific job done for a specific period of time. When that job's done, you put that tool down. And she just took all the shame of being on an antidepressant away by giving me the understanding that this was a tool that was going to help me get a specific job done. And that was to stabilize me so that I could um, you know, learn properly or grow more. Um, so don't be afraid to get um, that. For pastors, I would say don't make assumptions. Um, you know, And in general, don't make the assumption that people know how to hear God um, because so many Christians don't. Give them, you know, have a training track. Give them some ongoing training that they can do to learn how to hear God, to interpret what he's saying, um, stuff like that. Also, as a pastor, become trauma-informed. Um, learn what trauma does to people, how it affects them. Gain some understanding and get some good understanding and training for yourself, for your pastor, um, other staff, elders, cell group leaders, etc. so that when they're counselling people, they counsel them not just from a um, a Christian perspective that is, if you do these things, you'll get better. Um, and Any particular resources, Lynn, that you could recommend? Any particular books or resources in um, relation to trauma? Yeah, there's, um, I'll send you a link. Yep. Um, and it's um, uh, actually a website that has got a, a big list of 
good Christian books on trauma and mental health issues in the church and how we cope with them as pastors, how we cope with them as leaders. A good one is The Body Keeps the Score. It's a brilliant book, um, but there are loads of others as well. So I'm reading um, one by Oprah and a psychologist called What Happened to You, which was a really a nice, easy read for a lay person like myself, but it really yeah, yeah. me to a lot of these issues. And Lynn, yeah. I think the and, beauty of what you bring is you have considered the psychological and the counseling expertise, but you bring the revelation of the spirit alongside that. So um, yeah. it's, it's so good to have you on board. Thank you for sharing your story. Unfortunately, we're a bit out of time, but uh, so much profound wisdom there, Lynn, and I'm loving what you're doing now. The The point we connected over was the fact that uh, Spirit Speaks is the continuing voice of Jesus and doing yes. this the mental health um, with the Spirit, we have to keep reminding ourselves that Spirit sounds like Jesus, full of yes, love, full of grace, no yeah. shame and forgiveness and the beauty you've experienced that in such profound ways so if we want to find out more about your ministry just quickly lynn as we wrap up where do we go to a website or yeah um we've got a website www.robandlynn.org um no doubt you'll put that in the um notes there but also on on our website you'll find loads of articles in our blog section um on mental health in the church and um, other things as well that will be good to read thank you so much lynn so great to have you you're welcome thank you thanks for listening to god conversations with tanya